by the power of Masters Cast. You are listening to Masters Cast. <laughs> Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 55 for October 6, 2013. Thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratos Maca. And I'm Justin Lancourt, also known as Lioncourt. What's up, people? Katie and I are back from PowerCon because the two lazy Woo-hoo! other people didn't come. <laughs> <laughs> I see how we had so much fun. We missed you guys, like, big time. But it was a blast. I'm so, so glad I got to go this year. And, Katie, and I was yeah. worried that... Sorry. <laughs> one of these years, I'll get there. No, I was just going to say, you haven't been to one, like, a, any convention in a while. I know. I was I was looking back in my pictures to see the last time I saw you, John, and it was, like, what, five years ago or something at that little con in Charlotte? I think so, yeah. And the rest of the people I hadn't seen since one of the Chicago cons in like 06, I think. It had been a really long time. Um, but everybody looks practically exactly the same, which was kind of cool. <laughs> like nobody in this <laughs> fandom ages. Yay. Um, so, yeah, big reunion time. That part was super fun. And meeting some people I've known online for just as long and had never met in person um, was also fantastic. And just the whole environment was, I mean, everybody was so friendly and happy and having a great time all geeking out about the same stuff. Like I was worried my husband was going to be bored to tears because he just doesn't know much about He-Man and She-Ra, but he was having a great time um, talking about the cartoons and stuff, but also he would find other things to geek out about. Like he was hitting up the costume makers about what they, what tools they use to make their costumes and just anything and everything. He was, yeah, we both had a wonderful, wonderful time. Good, good. Yeah. Hint, hint, other people. <laughs> one of these years <laughs> well, be there. hey i was there the first two years that's true that's true um well i got to eat dinner with alan oppenheimer and brian dobson so it was fun um the there are a lot alike like a lot of their interests and stuff it was really freaky um well, that is. <laughs> yeah and then, um, so I, I turned to Brian Dobson. I was sitting next to him. And um, I said, do you happen to know Campbell Lane? Because uh, he's another one of the Canadian voice actors. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know Campbell Lane. And I was like, well, you do know, right, that he did the New Adventures Skeletor. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, no way. And then I showed them, each, both of them, a, a picture of the New <laughs> Adventures Skeletor. <laughs> Oh, God. What was their reaction? It was interesting. Uh, <laughs> quite interesting. Um, I, I, Brian was going to look, uh, look it up, I think. Um, he also told me that um, for the longest time, he thought that Gary Chalk had voiced the original He-Man because he would see Gary Chalk in Canada all the time. 
And, and then it was just, I guess, recently that he realized that it was the that the new adventures He Man in Space that Gary Chalk did, and not the original. <laughs> <laughs> So he's like he was giving him props for something uh, that it, that he didn't do. So that was kind of uh, kind of funny. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and let me just say, Alan Oppenheimer is like the nicest guy ever. I love that man. Um, he was one of the main reasons I wanted to go actually this year because obviously I'm a huge fan of Skeletor and we have a cat named Skeletor. Um, but also he was Falcor and several other voices like the Rockbiter, etc. in The NeverEnding Story, which is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, he's been in a bunch of Star Trek episodes in like three or four different Star Trek series. Um, he was just in everything that I loved and I was like almost in tears. I'm just like, Oh my God, I love you so much. And he had all his pictures out that he would sign for you, you know, and, uh, and his wife was sitting there and I'm explaining to him how he was just a part of my entire childhood. And I love his work so much. And he like, he took my hand and kissed it. And and he was like, and his wife was saying like, I was the most beautiful fan that had come up to him that day. And I was like, the con just opened. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, but no, no, be the prettiest one all day, I'm sure. <laughs> so nice. Um, and he wasn't like, oh, you made me feel old or anything like that. He was just very proud to be a part of all the things that he did. And, and I got um, a signed Falcor print. Yay. So, awesome. yeah. All of the entertainers actually were really, really cool to hang out with. I'm glad you got you got to have the, the dinner with them. I'm sure that was awesome. Yeah, and I think really the panel that we did with... Um... Uh, portraying the Master of the Universe that um, Brian Rooney was the moderator for, which had like Cam Clark, Brian Dobson, the Wadsworths, Alan Oppenheimer, and Christina Pickles. I, I didn't actually get to go to most of the panels since I was working the convention, but that was one that I made sure my schedule allowed me to go to. Um, so that it was fun seeing all like the different voice actors and or actors from different properties within the property right am i saying that right yeah incarnations yeah Yeah, interacting um so i thought that was really cool yeah i think that was that might have been my favorite panel actually i I think it was they were all off of each other it was like for years Mm -hmm. um especially miss wadsworth i always forget her first name leslie leslie there we go um but you know sitting between the two skeletors and and just the faces, like, I, I took a bazillion pictures during that panel because they were making just the greatest faces. And she was obviously having the time of her life. And they were just being silly around her. And everybody's, like, high-fiving each other and telling funny stories. They were just all a joy, a real, real joy. Well, one thing I liked, too, was uh, not to pimp myself, but during the she panel, which I was the moderator for... Um, <laughs> We had Barbara Hamley, who wrote just one episode of She-Ra, Above It All, which is one of... I, I really like that episode. I don't know if it's just because it's one I remember specifically watching as a child. Um, but she revealed uh, in- information we hadn't heard before, that uh, she had written a, a book uh, before the She-Ra series came out, and the main character was named She-Ra. It wasn't spelled the same, but pronounced the same. And Mattel actually met with her and purchased the the rights off of her for that character just in case. And so it ended up paying for her down payment on her first house that she still lives in today. That was a great story. Yeah, I like, really liked that. that. Like it totally came out of the blue and I was like, awesome. Oh, you didn't know she was going to say that. No, no. Oh, she, wow. Yeah. She had mentioned Mattel. So I just used that as a, you know, a talking point 
if anyone else had, you know, if anyone had a particular story about dealing with Mattel when they were working on, on She-Ra. So then she brought that up and I was just like, wow, new information. Thank you very much. <laughs> very cool. So all in all, I think a good time. There were a lot of turtle people there because the Ninja Turtles uh, were added uh, to PowerCon. Yeah, they had the whole turtle mobile or whatever out front. <laughs> yeah, that was van. super was totally tricked out. Had people dressed as Shredder and April O'Neil. Saw several other little miniature turtles, i.e. kids running around. <laughs> there was one guy, wasn't he like a mixture between lion and a Ninja Turtle? Doing uh, maybe. Funny cosplay. I forget what his cosplay name was, but it was a funny combination. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was kind of funny watching the different fandoms branch off. You know, most of us were there for for He-Man and She-Ra, but I could tell there was like, there's this little Thundercats group over here. There's this little Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle group over here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like they were trying to be exclusive or anything. And I believe there was a lot of camaraderie going on too. Um, But it was just, it was cute to watch. It probably gave, again, people who have known each other online for years, a chance to get together and geek out about their particular property. Because I don't think there had ever been a Thundercats convention or... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles convention before this, if I'm remembering right. Yeah. So, yeah, it gave a a really good opportunity to several fandoms to experience that. thought that was super cool. And then Katie and I had front row seats for um, a PowerCon engagement. So congratulations to uh, Val and Rachel, who got engaged uh, that night at the podcast panel. Woo! Yay! (laughs) Uh, But anyway, uh, so yeah, PowerCon. You should come. ThePower-Con.com for more information. Also, check them out on Facebook. Facebook.com slash ThePowerCon. You can watch some of the panels. They're all posted on the um, uh, Facebook page, uh, including ones that I hosted. (coughs) (laughs) And Um, you should watch the cosplay panel because I had a little bit of fun in that one. Oh, yeah. She bright. (laughs) Oh, I saw pictures. That was awesome. That was totally a last minute thing. Um, I don't even remember how the idea popped into my head, but, you know, a week or two before the con, I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can make this work. I'm going to just throw together pieces of costumes I already had, um, except for the crown. I got the, someone knitted a She-Ra or crocheted maybe, a She-Ra crown, and I found it on Etsy. I was like, oh, yes, please. Can you get it to me in time? And and the seller was fantastic, and she got it to me within like two days. so yeah, I just threw together this thing and it was so much fun and I think it got a pretty good reaction. Just the fact that it was a mashup was was cool. <laughs> but everybody in the contest was having a blast. There was some really good costumes this year. Oh yeah. Um well Johnny Bilson's are always good. He was the Triclops. Mm-hmm. Um oh, yeah. but I really yep. liked um there was the person that did um Skeletor and he had uh, like the jaw moved on his mask. Any his staff was a replica of Frank Langella's staff from the live action movie. Yeah, he was awesome. Beautiful. I loved the staff. I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could tell a lot of those people put a lot of effort into their costumes. I was very thankful for that. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's a fun time. Always. <laughs> So do we want to um do we want to move on to the what the comics? Comics or toys? Let's do the comics. That's more lively right now, I think, because the, the good opinions. Can we start with Origin of Hordak? 
Uh, yes, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, go ahead. Take take the reins. Leanne. Well, uh, okay. Um, t- to me, the origin of Hordak book wasn't really an origin for Hordak. It, I mean, you basically found out that in this continuity, um, Hordak and Zodak are brothers, and that Hordak can eat people's souls. And they've been at war and all this stuff, and, you know, then I guess Zodak gets absorbed or whatever by Hordak. Um, and that's pretty much it. And um, the, the art style I didn't really care for. I know what they were doing because it, it was kind of a Jack Kirby, New Gods type art style. Um, I didn't really care for it all that much, but you know that's just that's just me. Um, oh, and also uh, in one of the panels, there's there's a very obvious shadow or silhouette of Batman. I saw that. Yeah, really it just shows up. He just shows up in the bright zone. So I don't <laughs> you know, and um and I guess I don't know like if they were hinting at the um the upcoming you know Masters versus DC thing that they're doing now or if that was just because you know dc publishes them now but i thought that was really it was quite odd oh now i see it but yeah it was hysterical yeah i like that the fright zone looked Um, filmation but not my favorite i I just i thought yeah yeah it did that that was that was a plus um but overall i didn't really care for it because i don't think anything really happened It, it wasn't really an origin story you know i don't know that's my take I think that was my problem too. It was it okay. Uh, he's Zodak's brother, and he like you said, and he absorbs souls. I guess because they're making him more. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe because of the filmation cartoon where he's more like robotic. Um, I never yeah. thought of him as a vampire. I guess mm-hmm. like I really just so, never did. Yeah, he's like a, a cosmic vampire or something. Yeah, like, and they're really uh, playing that up with the whole like like you know like like sucking out of the the soul and the essence kind of doing that correlation with a vampire, um, which, I mean, I guess that's my own fault for not really ever connecting the whole vampire thing. I mean, as simple as a bat. Um, but in my mind as a child, I, a vampire is like Barnabas Collins or Dracula, not, exactly. Hor- not Hordak. Yeah, not Hordak. <laughs> See, I always, I always looked at Hordak as being a, like a cyborg vampire. And part of that, I think, came, even as a kid, I kind of, not not as consciously as I did later as an adult, but kind of got the the connection that people always talk about with the universal monsters and the horde, because it's pretty obvious, really, when you think about it. But so I always the Hordak Wait, always. It's not had, obvious to me. Explain, explain. Okay, so Hordak, you've got like the vampire type thing. He's got like the vampire type complexion. He's got the bat symbol. He's got the cape. He's you know he's not not Dracula. Per se, but he's got the the vampire vibe type thing going on. Um, just in terms of the character design, you've got Modulok, who is this collection of body parts, which is very much like the Frankenstein monster type idea. You've got Leech, who's sort of like the creature from the Black Lagoon. You've got Mantana, who's kind of like the fly. You've got uh, what was the other one? I was just thinking of uh, Grizzlor, who's kind of Grizzlor. like Wolfman. So yeah, that kind of makes sense. I never saw that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I never did. <laughs> Mind so, <wow>. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to me, the vampire things kind of make sense, and I I like vampires anyway. So I kind of I, I and I like the you know going along with the 
mix of sorcery and technology that Masters always had. I always kind of liked the, at least in my own head, kind of combining the, because in in like the early. Um, he was less of the cyborg type thing. And then when Filmation came in, they played up the cyborg element. And I kind of liked, in my own mind, to kind of blend those and the, the vampire slash cyborg thing. So they kind of did exactly what I wanted them to. And so that goes in the comic. They kind of get a little bit of both. I liked it, though. I wanted to, I mentioned this to Shadow when he was reading me the comics, that I don't know if there's something visually going on that's 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 making it so that I'm interpreting this differently since I'm not getting that aspect, but the, the whole comic is kind of playing up this, you know, group of cosmic enforcers that live on this planet or whatever, like Zodak and Zordak or whatever. I did not interpret the brothers thing to be literal. We are blood related. I was taking it in, you know, brothers at like people who who are in the military or people who are wearing a group. They might call each oh my brother, blah blah blah. That was kind of how I was taking it. That they were both part of the cosmic enforcer type thing. Not that they were actually relatives. So do you think there are be. other cosmic enforcers? Well, there there are just the two of them. Well, they were dead in the comic. The rest of them are dead. Mm -hmm. Um, They're like the last two left. Yeah. I took it like Leanne did, that they were brothers. And it kind of like light bulbed in my head like, oh, Zodak, Hordak. Hordak, right. Like that. Ah. But but they they clearly defined Hordak at the very least as a title, not as an actual name, uh, at least in the... I guess that was in the ongoing series. Uh, the issue that came out, we'll be talking about in a minute, because they specifically say that the Spara is a Hordak. So um, that's clearly a title, not a not a name. And so. that well, things like that I hate. Right? His name is Hordak. <laughs> it's not Hector or whatever. Uh, I, I I don't like. <laughs> Name. I, I'm with you there, but I Hordak to me was always a title because it, it doesn't make sense otherwise. You got Horde Prime, you've got Horde World. Hordak sounds like a title, like he's the general, he's the guy that leads the Horde on Etheria. That doesn't sound like a name. That sounds like a title. Well, in the cartoon though, his name is Hordak. <laughs> <laughs> like his name is Hordak. Like I can understand if he his name was like you know, Hector or whatever, okay, when he was, like, the Keldor portion, like, Keldor versus uh-huh. Skeletor, I can understand that. Like, I can understand your argument if he wasn't born with the name Hordak. Like, little baby Hordak. Um, Hordakins! But yeah. we never see him in, in, like, the Filmation cartoon. We never see him really outside of his role as the leader of the Horde. That's all we see, ever. So, to me, that was his title. Always was. I never, ever... I, now, I can see... The, the issue with, even though I was only three when Hordak came out, that me not understanding he was a vampire. Um, but... Hey, I was older than you and I didn't get it either. Yeah, but I never took that as a... At, back in the day, I can understand your argument now, like present time, but back in the day, I never in the Filmation thing thought that that was a title and not his name. And in Filmation, I saw him more as a cyborg and Shadow Weaver doing the magic. Like, obviously, both were used, but 
I always took him to be more the technological guy, and she was doing his bidding on in the magical realm. Yeah, because he was always changing yeah, his aura to other guns and saws and things like this, not a magic wand to cast a spell. Um, so I I never would have put the vampire thing together, and I kind of hope that's not where they're going with this because vampires are so overdone these days. We don't need any more. At least I, it doesn't I, sparkle, I, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that it's interesting um, you mentioned the filmation thing too because that's actually one of the the things that um, bothered me a little bit and maybe, maybe even as a kid maybe I'm just too analytical on these things I analyze every little thing and maybe I do too much but I, I never liked the whole idea that you know Hordak was supposed to be uh, Skeletor's teacher and they play that up in The Secret of the Sword but Skeletor's main thing is magic, and Hordak never showed much magic. So, again, it was one of those things, while well, I rationalized it, at least as a kid, that, okay, Hordak used to do more magic, but as he's become more and more cyborg-like, he's got less and less magic to work with, so he relies more on his technology. So, I don't but know. I thought they explained that pretty well, though, in the series. I mean, they have the one episode where She-Ra goes back to that, like the original wizard that like taught Hordak and stuff. So, like, I feel like when... But we never when, really see him in modern times using magic, though. No, because now, he, yeah, in modern times, he's more for technology. Like, the, the time when he was, like, progressing, when he was... When Skeletor was his pupil and they were, like, attacking Eternia and stuff, I think that's the period of time when he was transitioning from seeing, like, okay, magic is one thing, but we have all this power and this technology, we can still, we can overpower them with it. Blah, 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 and they're blah, showing blah. that through these comics as we get into because there's a lot of overlap here. But as we get into the ongoing series, they're using technology more than uh, magic. So it's interesting. They seem to be pretty faithful to me to the original core concepts. Oh, well, yeah, I thought you were making yeah. some argument that they weren't or something. I don't know. I guess I, I misinterpreted what you were saying. No, I, I was just saying, <laughs> I don't think Filmation, uh, Filmation's uh, didn't, uh, to me, didn't address it, uh, at least as a kid, didn't address it as explicitly as I wished they had. Um, and I think they are doing that here. So, I will but say in, that in this, in this origin story, Hordak looks like Hordak. Yeah. He looks like Filmation Hordak. He doesn't look like this alien, this weird alien thing that's like he true. does in the ongoing. So, you know, that's something. Well, it's also yes. a million years in the past. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it's probably the technology has warped him or whatever in the through the years or however, however the magic, the, the technology, whatever it is that he's used. Um, so I mean, that kind of works for me. I, I in general, I liked it. It had a not being a comic reader, I'm more a reader of fantasy, epic fantasy novels, and it has very much that vibe in the origin of Hordak's story, and I really enjoy that because I I like it when Masters is interpreted that way. And I well, I guess my problem is is if I want if I'm gonna read an origin story, I'm like I want his origin. Mm -hmm. right I, I really think <laughs> none of these origin stories have really been origins yeah to me they're just you flashbacks know? yeah they're, yeah, they're just like little flashback episodes basically um yeah but how are they gonna explain because appears to me he just eradicates zodak here so then how is zodak in the current canon if he was eradicated a million years ago well, doesn't he just like disappear? Because I kind of took it as maybe maybe he's going forward in time, or he's 
gone or it, yeah, it, maybe like Hordak wasn't able to like eat his soul. Hmm. I don't yeah, know. maybe banished him to another realm. But it's I not his origin. We're also assuming that this is the Zodak that we know now. Maybe there, maybe there were other survivors that this Zodak. Maybe this isn't specifically modern day Zodak. You know, because like in the classics canon, right? We've got Zodak with a C and Zodak with a K. Maybe they're going to well, go the was, same. It was Zodak with a C in this one. So yeah, maybe he comes back as Zodak with a K and has like the cool blue tattoos. Right, exactly. So maybe it's two different characters that are both cosmic mm-hmm. enforcers. Could be. I guess that would go with your whole title thing. I just, I don't know. I would like an origin. I don't know. I haven't liked any of these origin comics. No. Yeah, I mean, in general. Nope. Mm. Well, they're showing how he became powerful. They're not showing, I guess, like him growing up or anything like that. But they're showing his. his that's what I want. I want baby Hordikins. <laughs> 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 they're showing his his uh, you know the story of him basically destroying the cosmic enforcers and and becoming powerful. I don't know. It kind of works as an origin. Story. I, I think Origin was used very loosely in all of these Origin comics, but I don't really have a problem with it. But in fact, of the three, this was by far the best of the three Origin comics. Well, yeah, because it's Hordak. That's a given. Uh, <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, what is his uh, motivation? Like, I don't know. I just don't. I don't. Okay, he just comes out of the blue. He's killed all these cosmic enforces. I'm trying to think of these comics from a perspective of someone that is not already immersed in masters of the universe that picks up oh okay i'm learning about uh uh, skeletor i'm learning about he-man i'm learning about hordak especially hordak because i don't really feel hordak is on the like you know pop culture pulse whereas he-man and skeletor is uh i just don't i think someone picking up this set they would be like okay what is this they they don't not gonna know who zodak is probably except okay he's a cosmic enforcer um they they you know they have Hordak say the tagline, I have the power, and that he wants to be the master of the universe. But other than that, I don't think you get much information. Like, if I pick up, a, like, a Batman or even, like, Batgirl, okay, Commissioner Gordon's daughter, there's her motivation. She, you know, wants to fight crime, looks up to Batman or something, dons cape and cowl. Like, you know, I feel like that would be... It would explain it to me, whereas I don't think anything about Hordak really, except that he sucks souls, has been explained to me in this comic. And that his, like, lair is called the Fright Zone. Yeah, I guess it depends, too. Like, I guess when I look at a lot of these things, again, kind of comparing it to the way modern fantasies are written, too, you don't want necessarily all the questions answered in one fell swoop, either, so... I think we got I think we got just enough in this comic and maybe some of the other gaps will be filled in through the ongoing series. I hope so. Keep the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> and was that thing really supposed to be leech? Oh, I know it did not look like leech. Yeah, it was not some like monster looking thing. Maybe that was like one of leech's ancestors or something. Well, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's true, right? They're probably like a race of leeches, not just like leech. The leech. The leech, Actually, yeah. they established that in one of the digital comics, the uh, Randor one. Remember the uh, the village? Oh, right, right. Oh, right. yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, we can see how memorable that comic was to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was over a year ago. Hey, so. All I know is, is I can say anything I want about this DC comic series. And I tell you why. Because I have double dipped on each one of these things because the stupid issue doesn't come in the mail like by the time it's released. So uh-huh. I end up buying the issue digitally. The digital, yeah. And for two ninety nine <laughs> and reading it. Then my like days later, my subscription one comes. Now, why do I do this? Because I have to read it on the day it comes out. Well, obviously. Obviously. I can't wait till like Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm buying two, so I'm allowed to be critical. Uh, <laughs> now, we're we're since we're so good at recording consecutive episodes of Masters Cast, we are a bit behind on the <laughs> ongoing series. So we were going to talk about what issues two and three today, I believe. Yes. Yep. Okay. And then we'll in the next episode, which should come out in November, we will be we'll we will catch up. Um, uh, so two and three. Two has uh, Tila. Baby Tila, right? Talking with Baby Adora. That's three. That's three. Yeah. Oh. Two is the big battle at the palace uh, between Despara and He-Man and Despara and Tila. And then they all retreat to Castle Grayskull and the horde surround Grayskull. Oh, so this was a less memorable issue then, since I remember the imaginary friend one. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is the one without Adora. (laughs) Therefore, Shadow does not remember it, and it does not exist to him. (laughs) They must mention imaginary friend or something in this one, though. I think they mention her. Yes. They just don't show her. Yeah, and and Tila knew who she was. I mean, she called her Adora, right? Yeah. So that kind of set up the whole "what's going on," mm-hmm. but yeah, that was was that in the first one? Was that at the end of the first issue? I think so. Yeah, that's and the end then of the first one, and then they talk about it a bit more through the second one. Okay. So obviously uh, not very memorably because I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know very, I read it, but mm. it very much this that second issue very much felt like it's good, but it very much feels like a we need to get all this information in here so that the story can progress in the next issue (laughs) is what it felt like to me. Yeah. Because it's in three starts, you know, stuff starts to pick up. Yeah. The story starts to take shape. So my, my problem with it kind of with two and three, um, and actually I want to, I've read right all, I've read all the way up to six. So I apologize if I'm alluding to other things that happen, but to me, um, has anyone else felt that there the importance or the um, mystery or the I guess no importance would be the word of of Castle Grayskull is kind of like meaningless now in, in the series. Like I, I feel like the like I know they retreat to Castle Grayskull and stuff, but it's like I don't feel like Castle Grayskull is like the source of all powers or oh, yeah, something like, anymore. Like because of what happens in issue six. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's why I said I I think I'm alluding right to things that haven't happened yet, but I I don't like that. I I I feel like it's. I don't know. It doesn't seem like any of the masters. I hate calling them that. Any of the heroic warriors kind of value. Castle Grayskull mm-hmm. that much? See, I, I, I will tell you, having not read 4, 5, and 6 yet, <laughs> only having read 2 and 3, my takeaway so far 
uh, and some of this be- comes from because the Grave Skull definitely was sort of the centerpiece of the miniseries, right? Because Skeletor had taken over and all that was going on. Uh, at this point, I've been kind of interpreting it that there's too much going on with the Horde invasion for there to be any focus on that. Right now, everybody's more concerned with staying alive and and that sort of thing, at least at this point. That Grayskull just isn't isn't the centerpiece of this story arc as of right now. Well, th- that's a good point. They did put the importance on it in the miniseries. Like, that was Skeletor took it over as the stronghold. Uh, like, in this one, like, isn't there some type of line where uh, it might have been Despara, who she's like, uh, like, she doesn't even know of the importance of the castle. Like, she's like, Castle Grayskull, name, what, is it named after King Grayskull? Like, she kind of mocks it. Well, um, and that's fine. Like, I think that's good. If the Horde doesn't know yet about well, how powerful Grayskull is, that could make for an interesting storyline down the road. That's true. Or, you know what, too, is like, yeah, they might not have informed Adora or Despara a lot about this because maybe if she's in Grayskull, it will start to change her or, you know what I mean? Like, throw off the ways that have made you a slave to the horde's will and that actually would be a whole lot more interesting than if they just did a secret of the sword kind of copycat thing as well i think i think that would actually be a stronger story so i i'm okay with it right now not as long as it eventually comes back around to being a sort of uh focal point for the story i'm okay with the fact that the emphasis is off right now because we already got Actually, not even just the miniseries, but all those digital one-shots last year as well. There was a lot of focus on Castle Grayskull. So I think it's kind of okay to to step away from that for a while. Well, talking about focal points of the story, does anyone else feel this? I actually feel that like He-Man kind of so far is more of a secondary character. It seems to me like this is like the Despara comic <laughs> with... Tila maybe in second place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really feel like He-Man's taken a back seat in most of these issues. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I yeah I agree with that. Uh, I I agree, but that was kind of a problem to some degree with the uh, miniseries as well. Until I mean, well, He-Man didn't even appear until what issue four or five of that. So they've definitely taken the focus off of He-Man and put it more on Masters of the Universe. Um, which I'm also kind of okay with, with the kind of the huge cast. I think that we'll probably see it get back around to focusing well, it on him more at some point. Not that I'm complaining. I guess I just find it interesting that they're basically retelling She-Ra's story to launch the He-Man comic book. I don't know. Yeah, she's definitely the focus. Yeah. I well, I, th- and I think probably a lot of that, like getting out of a storytelling uh, uh, point of view for a moment, just from a marketing point of view, is probably smart because they've got as 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 far as their built-in fans of the property audience going, they they are probably getting more sales by appealing to both the Motu and Pop camps at this point. Oh yeah, no, totally. I like I said, I'm not complaining. I just find it interesting. Yeah. That like no, I think basically, you know, this the center of these ep- episodes, these issues is is the sh- is a Shiro or an Adora origin story rather than than a focus on um, He-Man being the central figure of the property. Hey, at least this this is a proper origin. 
I mean, when she does become She-Ra, that's, that's going to be her origin. Yeah, it, it'll definitely be an actual origin. Uh, then again, of course, we're illustrating the argument that in order to do a proper origin, what, we're going to need like 10 issues of a comic or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Like, you, you give you what they can in a single issue. So, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. May I point out that I do not like Battle Cat. Why not? Because he scratched Adora's face up. <laughs> It wasn't a very pretty face to begin with. And well, this iteration. Hey, she she yeah. has healing abilities. Yes, this is true. <laughs> Although I was interested, you know, we were talking about the technology versus magic kind of thing. Um, the panels where it's all these screens and they're like holding these see-through tablets. It's very like computers and technology kind of stuff on the horde, at, the horde side. Yes. Yeah, they definitely are keeping that intact. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I like it. I like the way that they they handled all of that. Definitely staying true to like uh, that's the thing. Like the story is very different, but I I do think that the the writer of this really does have a pretty good handle on the aspects that 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 make masters masters. So I can go along. I can go a long way. I think with the changes that they they want to make um, if they keep the the core themes intact. And I think he's doing actually a pretty good job of that at this point. So you like how he's writing, um, the, uh, Tila Adam dynamic. Generally speaking, I think, I think it's not the way I would have gone necessarily, but it's definitely entertaining. I, I like the fact that it kind of harkens back to some of the banter that we got in filmation. And of course we got a lot more of that in the Mike young between Teal and Adam. And it definitely, he, he understands what the dynamic has been in previous incarnations and he's upped it a few notches, but I'm okay with it. It's it, there are times when there's maybe a little too much, but um, in general it works and it's, it's entertaining. Yeah. I like it, but I think there's too much of it. I, yeah. I think it needs to be toned down. Yeah, I think at times it's it's a little over the top. Um, in general, I, I like it just because it's kind of fresh and, you know, adds a little bit of humor to some of the scenes. Um, but is this something that fans complain about online? Because, I mean, I'm not like on the message boards very much anymore. I, I don't know if has this been a complaint with some people? Yes. OK. Yeah, definitely. I heard I heard that I heard that somewhere so i was just curious it is a bit distracting to me um in the beginning not so much but the more it goes on and the harsher the comments seem to be getting it's uh, i don't know i always had like a brother sister kind of i mean back when i was little i thought the he-man and tila should get together whatever but these days i see it more as a brother sister kind of relationship um so i get it but it's it's just too much. I, it it almost seems like they hate each other. Yeah, which... I, I, that's weird that you say that. I kind of get the brother sister feel as well. Like it's it's too much to be the whole like, oh, I'm in love with you, so I'm gonna like you know, punch you in the face. You know yeah. that that type of like <laughs> yeah. little kid stuff. Like <laughs> like I like you, so I'm gonna push you off the sliding board or you know on the on the playground. <laughs> wow, you were mean to the girls you like, John. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that, that, like, I feel like it's too extreme to be that whole, I'm going to put up this, you know, facade. 
because yes. I'm actually madly in love with you type thing. Yeah. See, I, I think that works for Tila, though, just, just given the characterizations we've had of her in the past. Hmm. Like I said, it may be a little overdone. I'm not disagreeing there, but I, I don't think it's too much. I definitely don't think it's a huge problem. Like, if they toned it down a little bit, that would be better. But I don't have a huge problem with it as it is either. Like, if it continues that way, it's kind of like, okay, it's okay. Well, here's another thing um, with the, you know, kind of the banter and dialogue. Um, and this happens in later issues too. But I noticed when I was rereading these couple, like, uh, they talk about Mechanic and they kind of make fun of his name and his abilities, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it's Mechanic, you know. Um, but they also do this with other characters. Um, in a few of the other issues, make fun of their names and things like poke fun at it. Um, do people have a problem with that? Cause I, I actually, it made me laugh out loud when I read it. And I, so I read it to Rod and he got really pissed. Like he got really offended by it because he thinks that they're, you know, making fun of the characters and the, the property. And that that's like over the top. Well, yeah, because I mean, okay. DC comics, you have what Batman, Batgirl. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, these aren't, like, inventive. At least Mechanic is an inventive name. Yeah. I've, I'm actually more on Rod's side, I gotta say. I'm I'm somewhere in between because, I, I not having read the other ones, I didn't, wasn't aware until you said that they had done it with other characters later on. I think if they were going to do that, though, stick to, okay, this is going to be kind of our running joke with this character. This one character that maybe everybody kind of thinks his name is silly or whatever. Sure. Uh, if they're fine. going beyond that, that's where I would say, yeah, okay, that's probably a bit too a bit too yeah, much they, of it. They do it with a, with a couple other characters that I can't remember off the top of my head. But Rod feels like it, it undermines the integrity of the story if you're like, you know, poking fun at all the characters because they're named certain names and things. Oh, well, he... Yeah. Was it issue three or two? One of them, He-Man or someone mentioned Stinkor, don't they? And yeah, yeah, and they were like, "Oh, yeah. don't even bring him up to Tila." Yeah, what the yeah. heck? Yeah, not that I'm a fan of Stinkor either, but I mean, <laughs> it, it is. I don't, I don't particularly like the mocking characters in the in the in the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree. Like, if I was if I was writing the comic, I always say that it's terrible, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, the way that's usually handled in, in fantasy novels, if you've got, uh, the type of story where you've got a lot of silly names is it's pretty much just, it's either explained in some way that kind of makes sense or, uh, or it's just not dealt with. It's just, these are the names and in this world and this planet, this, whatever, this is normal for people to have these kinds of names. So I think one of the greatest, uh, things not to get us too far a field, but just a cool thing is there's a, a series of books I read uh, as an a kid, as a kid. They're a fantasy series called the Earthsea series, and it's really really good. But the one of the ways that they dealt with that, the main character is named Sparrowhawk. So it's definitely one of those you know superheroes slash whatever fantasy type names. But that wasn't his actual real name. That was just what everyone called him. And the way that they dealt with that. Or the way they explained that was on this particular world, if you knew someone's real name, that gave you the ability to use magic and uh, over them and you know cast spells and use their It's Rumpelstiltskin. And that's such a great idea. And I always wish that maybe Masters kind of did something, if not the same exact thing, something along the same lines that, okay, these aren't really their real names, but these are the names they go by because if everyone knew everybody's real name, there would be you know XYZ consequence or something like that. 
So. Well, Mattel is all about changing characters' names now. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, not? on the other hand, <laughs> see the problem. My biggest problem with the real, like some of the real names on the on the bios are fine. My biggest, some of them aren't. <laughs> yeah, my my biggest problem with them is that in many cases the real names are sillier or stupider or whatever than the than the the original name. Yeah. So it's like I refuse to accept that Squiddish Rex is Merman's real name. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is the most ridiculous name that has come out of classics. I and I, you know a lot of people like I think that's like my it. favorite one just because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is if they were going to go with the we're going to put real names on all of these, they should be you know something that's that's more that's at least somewhat believable if you're going to go that route because we've already yeah. got the silly name for the character we you know and not that I have a problem with merman but let's face it you're not going to have a kid and name him merman like that's not <laughs> that's not going to happen especially if you're a race of mer people oh i'm going to name my kid merman <laughs> it makes no sense so if you're going <laughs> if you're going to put these real names on there they should be they should be uh, you know, something that's at least realistic and, uh, and I don't know. I just, I take issue with uh, some of this. So I'm like, I'm expecting someone now to name their child human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> oh my. Wow. I'm naming my son boy. <laughs> I'm sure there right. are people. Well, there is, there are guys that are named guys. Yeah. It's like the, the Bill Cosby routine, right? Where he, he grew up thinking that, that his name was Damn It. His, his dad always said, Shut the door, damn it. So, <laughs> great routine. Well, John, I was curious did you go to the panel about the comics at PowerCon? Um, I did not, no. I missed that one as well. And I'm curious, I'm hoping somebody taped it. Because um, I just want to know if there was some QA going on or opinion shared. I'm just I'm wondering if I'm alone in not liking the darkness of all of these new comics. I would be actually extremely happy if they made one that was totally lighthearted, like an old filmation episode made for a child. I would love that. Um, maybe I'm alone in that. I'm just I'm curious if I'm the only one that is just I'm tolerating these because I feel like I have to read them. But I feel like I'm really only tolerating them. I'm not enjoying them. Well, it could be too, right? Like, I don't, Leanne, you might know better, but I'm assuming comic sales are mostly with adults, right? Not like right. new children that, really aren't breaking who, into comics. Yeah, that's who, and that, and the problem is because that's who they're catering towards. They're catering towards adults rather than children, which is really what they should be doing. But am I um, the only adult that would still enjoy reading a childlike comic if it was characters I grew up no, with? No, I mean, I honestly, I would love to see more of that stuff. Um, because one of my problems with DC right now is that everything is so dark and so depressing yeah. and it's like so real world gritty. And it's like, I, I read comics to kind of escape that. So mm. I don't, I, I, you know, I, most of the reason I read, you know, creator and titles and stuff is because it's, it's fresh and different. And it's like, you know, I, I don't really want to read about these characters that have, you know, they've changed into these, you know, depressing you know angsty characters mm -hmm. because they think that that's what sells and that's what they're you know it's like and i really think that that's why he, this he-man series is darker in tone because they're not 
trying to get kids to read it. They're, they're, you know, looking at adults and trying to make it more of an adult oriented. Like title. I look at comics as an opportunity to continue a series that's already been established, but that we're not going to get new episodes of. Um, it could have, not that it is now, but it could have been an opportunity to, okay, we're just going to treat this, like treat each, each issue or each few issues as a new episode of this show that these people already know and love and just continue the same tone, the same characters, just new stories. But apparently that's not something other people want. And I'm weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell you, I'm definitely kind of on the other end of the spectrum in terms. I like the I like the darkness of these. Um, I, part of that comes from being such a big epic fantasy story uh, story lover, and those books tend to be dark. Um, and I like the, it getting that treatment now. But the thing, uh, my answer to that would be, well, we've already gotten you know umpteen comic books we've already gotten you know four uh cartoon series we've we've already kind of explored that aspect so far that seeing this more you know mature more aimed at adults darker side to me is kind of nice because it's it is different than what has come before rather than just retreading the same ground all, again and again and again but it could still be new stories we could get origins, but filmation type origins, not cosmic enforcer vampire sucking soul origins. <laughs> um, like, like I said, I think it's it's good that we're we're treading new grounds. I, and I will say though, like too, I think in this one that's actually they've done relatively well. I thought of of uh, kind of doing a balancing act because you've got the the darker aspects. But you do have a lot of, you know, like them or not, there's a lot of humor, there's a lot of jokes, there's a lot of banter. We got the Orco issue that was just, frankly, bizarre. You um, mean awesome? And, <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't have a problem with it per se, but that was definitely on the lighter side of things. So, I don't know, like, I think I think it's good to 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 tread tread some new new ground rather than just repeat the past. Kind of like, you know, I mean, I kind of look at it the same way as these new Star Trek movies, right? Because you've got people like me. I love the original series Star Trek. I love all those characters. I love these new movies partly because we're getting to revisit with all these characters that I loved growing up and because we're not retreading the same ground. And I kind of feel the same way about this. And the, the people, there's plenty of Star Trek fans who hate the new movies because they're not they don't feel like they're they're duplicating enough the 1960s series. So I think you're always going to have kind of both sides and any property that they kind of like reboot or bring back or reincarnate in some other form or fashion that it's come before. You're going to have people on both sides that are like, oh, yes, something new and fresh. And you're going to have other people that's like, I really loved the old one. Why couldn't we just continue that one? So I, I see that there's, but I think, like, I don't the think new the, Star please, Trek please, movies please. are not so far removed from the old ones. They're not so super dark. And uh, you, you find, and, I agree with you, but you'll find a lot of people who disagree with that. Wow. So, like at, at the, I totally, I got so mad, right? Because the big Star Trek convention in Vegas is every year in August. They voted Star Trek Into Darkness, which I loved that movie as yeah. the worst Trek film of all time at that convention. What? What? 
It was oh, voted the worst. Surprising. And I was furious because I thought it was really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And when you compare it to things like the motion picture or the final frontier or yeah. insurrection, which to me, insurrection is the worst Star Trek film of all time. It's just unwatchable that those deserve that title. I'm sorry. This new one was, was in comparison gold. So, but I, I <laughs> but that's, that's the thing you mess with something that, that people have strong feelings about. You're going to end up with people on both sides, I think. And I don't think there was anything DC could have done that. Uh, I mean, clearly what the path they've chosen, they're selling the comics. They've, they've, the series is, is continuing. So it's clearly not been necessarily the wrong choice, but I don't think it, either choice would have pleased everybody. Well, yeah, you're not going to please everybody. I completely agree. I'm just, I feel alone some days in my opinion. Okay, here's here's what I want. Masters Cast listeners, if anybody feels remotely the same way I do, just email me and tell me I'm not alone. That will make me feel awesome. <laughs> or tweet at us. Use at MastersCast on Twitter and tweet yes, at you. please. <laughs> That's all I really want. I just want to know I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, for me, you know, I've been able to, you know, enjoy these comics because it, like what... Uh, Josh was saying it. It's different. It's it's tr- it's not repeating the same stuff from before. It's kind of a fresh take on it, mm-hmm. which you know. And I still think they're they're staying true to the core of the story, um, but it, it definitely is darker, you know, darker in tone. But that's you know that's kind of how DC is these days. So and it doesn't surprise Stratus. me that yes, and Stratos is still alive. So you know. <laughs> yeah. He is. I'm not. I, I will say. Do we know if it's the Stratos? <laughs> We actually yeah. got some uh, some dialogue in issue number two. So yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah, usually he's just kind of flying around in the background, but at least he's alive. Um, yeah. I will say that I'm not a fan of his new costume because you know everybody is getting new costumes and stuff later on, um, and I'm not a fan of the designs just because it does not look like Stratos anymore. Uh, but I don't understand you know. why they felt the need to change up the costumes. I I don't know. I mean, for, in this? He-Man's, like in He-Man's case, and this this happens in the, in issue four, it makes sense for He-Man, but for the for everybody else, to all of a sudden, you know, get new armor and stuff. And my problem with it is if the armor made sense, you know, and it wasn't just like a bunch of random bits and pieces kind of thrown together because somebody thought that looked cool, mm-hmm. then you know maybe if the armor was more functional and made more sense, that might be different. But it just looks like a big old. You know, so, yeah, I, I don't I know. Just, I, I don't get it because like you go back to the like the 2000 X days, like like dislike them. They I, I love those designs, but they didn't radically change for for the vast majority of the characters. They didn't radically, radically change the costumes. They updated them. They gave them more detail and that kind right. of thing. And I just I don't see what who they're trying to appeal to by by changing them, because that's not that's definitely not appealing to their the fans of the property. Are they trying yeah. to lure in more people by making and it look like, different? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. And and at least in Stratos's case, like, you know, his he's got a new costume, and you know, the the costume itself. Yeah, all right, I could I could live with that. But his mask, like now he has a full mask. He doesn't show. You know, you can't see his mouth or anything, and it just does not look like Stratos anymore to me. And it, if you lose the feel of the character. To me, that's kind of, I mean, there's something wrong there. 
Are you talking I mean, about I, here I in know... issue two or one of the other ones? No, this is no, this is later on. They oh, n- okay. nobody's gotten new costumes yet. I'm talking about like later on down the road. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. But yeah, it's a, and I know that I'm totally biased because I'm talking about Stratos in this case. But <laughs> you know, I but I have read where other people have problems with the new costumes because the the designs just don't kind of fit the characters, so they don't make well, sense. For whatever it's worth to, I'm not like a Stratos fan, like you're a Stratos fan. I like Stratos a lot, and he's like one of the key characters to me. But he's also one of the coolest designs. So why why would that even be one you'd want to mess with? Like, there's no need to mess with that one. I think it holds up well as it was. So, but yeah, but uh, but apparently, I mean, I don't know if if you guys have heard about the. Uh, because now they're doing, you know, the whole Masters of the Universe versus DC, the DC Universe comic series. I think only the first issues come out, I think. But they've redesigned Skeletor. And that's like nuts. <laughs> Skeletor oh, no. looks crazy. He's got big old <laughs> horns coming out of his head and stuff. And it's like, it's crazy. What? Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. a whole other story. But anyway. There's too but many. Not- I can't keep up with all these different series. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but but I mean, back to these issues. You know, we haven't got we haven't got to that quite yet. We haven't even talked about issue three, really, and Tila's revelation that uh, she had an imaginary friend named Adora. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's issue three. We were still kind of yeah. on issue two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Like, uh, I think we, uh, I mean, does anybody have anything else to add in issue two? We've kind of been jumping all over the place, so. Yeah. I don't think so. Well, the nah. big thing in, in issue three is is the whole um, imaginary friend. Yes. Atila tells her, her story about growing up, seeing this little girl in the courtyard i guess of the castle the gardens of the castle that she goes out and becomes friends with who's about her age who we know uh of course is adora and after she tells the story about this kid that she had dismissed as being imaginary despara comes and kidnaps tila what i like about this is um it shows that at some point in time uh, I guess when she was still little, obviously, um, they haven't, they didn't have full control over Adora after they kidnapped her. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she's appearing back at the palace. Um, something it was still good within her. So like she's making this connection to Tila kind of what through some type of weird telepathy magic that she's still there at the palace, like her essence or her spirit is still able to get out. So I kind of like that because it kind of harkens to why in later issues that we aren't talking about yet, Mm -hmm. uh, realizations happen and and things. It makes it more natural than as if she had no connection, right, to her previous life because she was kidnapped when she was a baby. She didn't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And I, I love the fact that it's Tila that she's appearing to because this kind of solidifies the, at least in my mind, solidifies the Tila is the next sorceress type thing. She's the daughter of the, the sorceress of Grayskull and all that stuff. 
that's who is seeing Adora. So whether she's there, obviously, like, they make a point that, like, the gardener goes by, right? And can't see who Tila's talking to. It's like she's talking to no one. So it's a, it's almost like uh, Adora is using Tila as her conduit to, you know, from wherever she is to the the palace where she feels like she should be or wanted to be or whatever it is. So I, I kind of think that. That's a good point. I didn't see it really that way, works. but that's a good point. I was just in my mind, I was figuring Adora was making herself invisible to everyone else except for Tila. But I think you're right. It could very well be the other way around that. Yeah, it was Tila's magic that she was using. So only Tila could see her. Hmm. And I love that little Adora's outfit is very reminiscent of She-Ra's. Mm-hmm. Love that. It also illustrates, too, though, why, like, Tila should not have blonde hair. I feel like she would stand out yeah. more in those panels if she had her red hair. Good point. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. They, they, I don't, I assume that they changed Tila back to the red hair because the fans were annoyed about the blonde hair, but who knows. But it seems like with all of the costume changes and all the everything else, why, why couldn't we have just switched to red hair for Tila and not mentioned it <laughs> or not had to <laughs> keep up this? She's dying it. So. Well, see, you know, they turned like, it into a joke. Yeah, I guess, but it's you like well, it seems that that aspect seems wholly unnecessary. Yeah. Well, it was unnecessary to have her blonde from the beginning. Like that's an unnecessary. I can understand. Okay, we're going to update the costumes, maybe. But like to me, Tila is a redhead. It's just like anytime I see Batgirl and she's not a redhead, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, right, but there was there was precedent at least in the past to have a blonde Tila. Not saying I like it, not saying they should have gone that way, but at least okay, they were drawing from that. It was a misstep, so they correct it later. And why does it need to be acknowledged? I that I, I don't. But I still like I kind of going back to what Leanne said about if you change something drastically and it doesn't really look or feel like the character anymore. Um, and I obviously I'm not the biggest Tila fan anyway, but. I understand there was prior precedent for her having blonde hair, but I don't think it was large enough of a something that they should have drawn I agree. on at all. Yeah. I agree that it was a misstep that yeah. they did that. So I, I, I just guess think it's they, a second second misstep in making a big deal out of it when they reverse course. <laughs> well, they might have though been reminding us too, like kind of joking about it, because like in these flashbacks now. Tila's going to have blonde hair and they don't want people to then get confused. Like, well, wait a minute. Who is but why this? why not draw her with the red? Pardon? Why not just draw her with the red? Even in the flashbacks. Like, who who is to say that for the brief time in the miniseries that Tila's hair was blonde, maybe she was dyeing it from red to blonde. And she's, you know, why why did they have to 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 make a big deal out of it? If they had just ignored it, that's what people would have thought. Oh, she was always a redhead. It was just that for a little while she had blonde hair. Okay, now we're true. I guess they should have said I dyed it back to red or something like that. Like, or just don't acknowledge it. Just let the let the fans let the reader assume that oh it's whatever. It's like does anybody care really that between seasons whatever it is six and seven of Friends or five and six that all of the sudden in the span of sixty seconds Matthew Perry lost thirty pounds. Like nobody cares. Okay, this is gonna be like whatever. Like it's a comic book. Who cares? Why are we making a big deal out of this? Like that's that they I think have have made their problem worse 
by continuing by to acknowledging bring her- it. Yeah. So. I'm just all of a sudden wondering why everyone on Eternia has blue eyes. Because I just noticed that, and it's kind of odd. I didn't even notice that. At least in this issue. Um, let me look back in issue two, but yeah. I have Maybe like- the colorist just likes people with blue eyes. So oh, they chose apparently. to give everybody blue eyes. <laughs> we have a German colorist now? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, being a brown-eyed girl, I do not approve. I hear that. Well, what I liked about this issue is, is this not the issue where the portal opens in the Wall of Grayskull after um, He-Man talks to Zor? Yes. Yeah, I like that because it was very reminiscent of Secret of the Sword. And we know that the sorceress, her spirit, resides in Grayskull still. Yes. yes. So it does put a little that. bit more of importance back on the castle itself, though, as we know, <laughs> happens in later issues. <laughs> I'm I still worried. Love, I love the <laughs> fact that the sorceress's you know, spirit kind of melds with the spirit of Grayskull or however it is. That that's, I think that was a good, good call as well. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I figured would happen. I mean, it was shocking that they killed, you know, the sorceress, but... I figured at least her essence, her spirit would still be within Grayskull. And, you know, for all of the talk, uh, Shadow, that you're, make, you're, you're, you're giving over there about the importance being off the castle or whatever, wasn't it uh, Grayskull's power was, like, transferred to Starship Eternia or something in New Adventures? To me, that's a whole lot worse than what's it, happening it here. It wasn't in the cartoon. Uh-huh. It was in the mini comic, which mini I totally disagree with. I do not like Castle Grayskull turning into Starship Eternia. So how, how do they justify in the cartoon then? Because I don't remember the by the power of Eternia. They don't. They don't necessarily explain it. Um, um, but the he, the sorceress still talks to him via telepathy from like Grayskull. So, All right. Just saying. Like the he never draws the power like when he says by the power of Eternia, um, he's saying that because I think that's what they changed it right to in the mini comic. But he never do they show like the power coming from the ship. So in the cartoon, it's never like I don't feel like it's ever implied that it's coming from the spaceship. Yeah, I I assumed that it was because of the line change. So that's interesting. But anyway, we're getting off topic there. Do they show the castle behind him when he transforms in New Adventures? Or no? What? When he transforms in New Adventures, they don't show the castle, correct? They don't show the castle or the starship. Okay. So, no. Even when he says, by the power of Grayskull in the first uh, episode, you you don't see the castle behind him or anything. Interesting. In fact, I don't think you see the castle at all. Um, you see Snake Mountain, but you do not see Castle Grayskull. But again, talk about taking the uh, emphasis off the castle <laughs> anyway, regardless of the transfer of power. Well, I forgive that because he's going to a different world. It's terrible. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Leanne plays it safe. Yeah. 
Um, well, in issue three, right, we get to see the amoeba Hordak and Shadow Weaver. <laughs> amoeba. Amoeba? <laughs> and continuing from the She-Ra digital comic we got last year, the they have nailed Shadow Weaver's dialogue. Like, you can hear Linda Gary saying those lines in her Shadow Weaver voice. The dialogue for her is dead on to Filmation. Yeah, I could see that. I like the way she's drawn in the comic. It's one of the ones that I actually think looks good. It's not too much of an update, yeah. um, but just enough, I think, to fit her into a comic book style, mm-hmm. uh, more so than a lot of the other characters that are drawn. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing I didn't like is um, I did not like the portrayal of Man-at-Arms, also not one of my favorite characters in, in general for He-Man, but... Um, I thought he really lost his cool pretty fast when Tila was kidnapped by Despara. I I just feel that him being like, you know, like Keyman says or Randor says or whatever, you know, he is the, you know, captain of the blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I just feel he lost his cool very quickly. I, he definitely would know that Tila is certainly a capable warrior herself. Um, but at the same time, he is her father. He is, and I can understand that, but I just feel like Man-at-Arms would not play it off that way. I, I think it depends on the, again, kind of on what portrayal of Man-at-Arms they're pulling off. I, I took the way that that was portrayed as being a little more on the filmation side, because I think, I can't think of specific episodes, but it, it, it felt more like the the type of reaction that Man at Arms in the in the filmation show would have given to a similar type of situation. Whereas in like Mike Young, Man at Arms was a lot more militaristic and, you know, no nonsense and down to business. I've got my response. That was sort of the way he was portrayed in that. And that Man at Arms would have been more like what you're saying. But I I think this one kind of harkened back to the you know, Man at Arms was a little in the I don't want to say softer per se, but he was a little more uh, what's the word I'm looking for? People help me out here. He, he was a little less, uh, for lack of any better term, I guess, militaristic in the filmation series. And I don't know. I could see him having that reaction more so in that series. That's true. Yeah. I think I'm my characterization that I like of Matt at arms. I like him more in the Mike young show. Um, so I, I think that, I think that's what I'm like visioning. Like I can't picture him really in the Mike young show, maybe doing that as much. I don't know. Hmm. It's interesting the because they do have so much to draw from and they've seemed to have drawn a little bit from a lot of different places in these comics. And what's with Roboto? He doesn't even look like a robot. Yeah, yeah I mean, um they do switch artists partway through this issue just for I don't know if that was a time thing or if uh if something had to be reworked. Uh, but the, the artist does, for the Roboto scene, does, does draw him. I mean, he does look more human, like yeah. cyborg-ish. Barely. He's, like, he's got a helmet on. whoop de doo uh, <laughs> I'm not having it. <laughs> um, going back to Man-at-Arms real quick, I just thought of something. Um, yeah. I forgot that the sorceress had just been killed. And that was like the love of his life. See, he's dealing with all sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so she's dead, right? Baby mama. 
And now, <laughs> and now the baby has been kidnapped. Plus, That's a good point. He already went through the trauma of like he was like there when Adora was kidnapped. So it's like, eh, all right. He's been through a lot. Come He's, on, John. Yeah. All right, Duncan. Um, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but this series is heading towards Man at Arms being Teal's actual father. Oh, totally. Which I totally approve of. Absolutely. Yes. Because that's yes. the way it should have been in the Mike Young series. Yes. Agreed. Dean Stefan, you know what I'm talking about. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So I totally approve of that. Oh, so yeah. you t- you don't like the adopted father angle in the like the filmation type continuity? Well, see, I do, and I and I always, you know, that's how I always pictured him as her adoptive father. But then when I started reading the Mike Young script, and then I read the one where I was like, <gasps> he's her actual father because he was supposed to be before they put all that stupid Fisto stuff in, and um, so then that like totally sold me on the idea, and I really liked it. I, re- I, I don't know. I just I really like the idea of him being her actual father. And he's right. Ra- you know, raised her, you know, on his own because mm-hmm. the sorceress has, you know, her her duties to perform, you know, but I and, and I just think that that's neat. I like it. And so that they're going with that with that in this continuity and they didn't wuss out and put Fisto in or some <laughs> other trying to throw some other element in. <laughs> So that's why I'm really happy. Nice. Yeah, hopefully it'll be revealed that way. If not, I think I just feel like it would be some type of weird out of the blue. What? Like he's not her father? Because that's basically what they're they're saying in the comic that he is. And there is a bit more in later issues that also. Yes. Yes. Which we'll get to eventually. Indeed. (laughs) Um, this is also the issue where He-Man gets his new costume, but it's not explained yet. That's It's explained in the issue that we're not covering, which would be issue four. Correct, yeah. He gets the yeah. he gets the new armor when the portal opens inside Grayskull. Um, he does? I completely well, missed no, that. No, there's, there's a... Right? He sees, like, a, a... The sorceress, like, shows him a, a quick flash of him in that armor fighting. Oh, okay, okay. But and she tells him that, um, you know, that's if he decides to accept what, you know, Grayskull's offering him, that's what that's a, a a possible future. Well, and I I have a problem with the new armor and I don't at the same time. Um if their reasoning for this armor is more so since they got rid of Prince Adam basically, I feel like the new armor has combined the Prince Adam costume with a type of like battle armor, flying fist He-Man type costume. Um, I can understand that because it's, it's as if like it's reclaiming his identity because he is both He-Man and Prince Adam. Um, but really I figured they just did it because they were like, Ooh, let's give He-Man a new costume because he's in DC comics now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to be honest, that's that's probably what it was. <laughs> but but at least, you know, with He-Man, when you see in the next issue, at least him having the armor change makes sense. Yes. In the context of the story. Everybody yeah. else does not. Yeah. But that's that's another. I, I think, right. too, I'd be more fine with costume changes. I do not like sword changes. 
He-Man has a certain iconic sword in my mind. So yeah. don't change his sword. This goes back. I had the same problem with the the 2000 series. Um, a lesser extent, I had a problem with the new adventures. I think just because I was younger at the time and I didn't have a strong of opinion at the time of that sword. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I would prefer that his sword remains the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, we got this radical change in the Mike Young show. And now in this in these comics, we finally got the, you know, original sword more or less back. Mm. And then next issue, it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Not cool. I don't I don't know. I still don't get the like the, the costume change. I'm kind of I don't know. I'm kind of torn on because I. I'm not a fan of all the different, like, we've had so many variants, you know, there's battle armor and flying fists and all of the umpteen different versions we got in 2000X and all these different things. And I just, the original costume is the one that I like for the character. So yeah, I just don't think they'd let it be. Mattel better not dare make another variant He-Man figure out of this. Oh, you know they will. Say what you and will. somebody was... Somebody was asking me. It might have been um, Kevin Kahn. Uh, he, you know, he was asking, you know, why are they giving everybody new costumes? Like, is that because they're trying to kind of push a possible new figure, or you know, something to introduce in, into the, you know, the new line? Or and I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a comic thing, just to try and modernize everybody which they kind of already did because i mean the costumes are more updated than the the classics i mean they look more like the classic figures they're classic characters maybe they they're feel that they could moving. get um they would have a more wide array of actors that could play he-man in a he-man movie if he's more covered up with this armor than just a bare-chested man <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> Like, really, because if you think about it, with the new costume, the actor would kind of just have to have some, like, cut arms, probably. Uh, yeah. And the rest of it would just kind of be molded into the armor. True. If it's for that purpose, I'm cool with it. But there's no reason to change the sword. Agreed. No. No, let, let the sword be. I mean, I don't hate, the, like, the 2000X sword like a lot of people do, but... The classic sword's definitely the uh, way to go. And if he's going to get a new outfit, get Tila out of her freaking underwear. Aw, <laughs> uh, you don't like all of her um, butt shots in the in the comic? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't need any more cleavage. I don't need any more butt shots. I'm good. From now <laughs> until eternity. So, I mean, Despara took her and Despara's wearing full-fledged outfit thing. So Seriously. now... Put Tila in one of those, and I'll be fine. Oh, gosh, though. Wait till she becomes She-Ra. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Who God. knows what that costume's going to look like? <sighs> yeah. You I, had to go there. Thanks, John. Well, Thanks. I mean, like, because they have She-Ra right on the cover of, what is it, like, issue five or something, where with the, uh, and she looks like normal She-Ra. But I just have a feeling when Despara eventually becomes She-Ra, which I hope she does, uh, in the comic, um, I have a feeling her costume will be redesigned. It's, it, totally. It totally yeah. will be. <sighs> oh, well. We shall see. <laughs> so we move on to the um, uh, Masters Universe Classics talk here briefly before we wrap up. Oh, uh, real quick? 
About the comics? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I did hear through the grapevine that there have been creative conflicts behind the scenes. So I would not be surprised if there were changes in the creative team or maybe even the direction of the story. Oh. Just, throw, just, just throwing that out there. Ooh, drama. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Hmm. We shall see. <laughs> that's that's a Master's Cast exclusive. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> that's right, people. So, okay, when was the last time we did an episode? Eight. How many figures do we have to catch up on? Yeah, it's a lot. I, I don't think we need to talk about all of them. I had a few specific ones. that, And, of course, if anybody else wants to talk about specific ones... That's fine. Um, we haven't done a show since April, so since then we've gotten a lot of figures <laughs> considering the Filmation line and the Classics line and all the reveals at Comic-Con and all of this stuff. So, uh, Karate? Terrible. Do we even need to talk about it? That's a terrible figure. No, and I like New Adventures, but that why? Anybody? Why? Why? Hello? Yep. Don't do these stupid characters. Do Flog and do... Um, well, they are do uh, high drama. Well, they already did Slushhead, but I mean, oh, like, that's right. They do did. do the key New Adventures people, not like Karate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a a poor choice. Um, and I just uh, the character's not even like. There's nothing wrong with the sculpt. It's just not a very interesting character. I just don't care. So, anyway, uh, we got him. We got the Fighting Foemen, which I wanted to talk about briefly because uh, the last, I think, of the last episode or one of the last episodes we did, I was saying that. I hadn't realized initially that these were based on the model kit designs of the vehicles and their drivers. And at that point, I I was a little bit more excited to get them because I thought they were from just the toy box art that I didn't really remember for those vehicles. Uh, I really liked these more than even more than I thought I was going to. I don't really care for the... Uh, the Talon fighter guy, his name is not coming to me uh, at the moment. I don't really care for his shield um, because that's like really over the top. But the rest of those figures, I don't, I, you know, I get, I get the, I guess the fans that that are are uh, wanting more of the vintage stuff put out and whatever. I guess, but I, I mean, I like a lot of these niche figures and these kind of obscure characters and things. Like, I like getting those and. Uh, I don't know. I thought these were really, actually, really well done figures. I I like them. I don't really understand the extreme hate over that set. For me, it's just like karate. I don't care. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much the same. Yeah, it's just I I understand the I I don't know. I'd rather I'd rather have filmation characters, um, like random person on bat box art, and I had the model kits, mind you as a child don't care um i'd rather have, there are so many more important things that should have been made for my I, money I for probably, my money i would probably feel that same way as you do uh if we were if we had any hope really at all of getting any of those vehicles <laughs> but since we don't i think it's kind of cool to see some representation for them in the because those are those are probably three three of my top favorite vehicles from the vintage line so well, I love the people that they were named after. Four Horsemen uh, Studios rocks, obviously. I just, yes. I just don't have any need for those figures on, on my 
subscription bill. All right, so I did want to bring that up. We also got Octavia. <laughs> Yay! Any, any feelings on Octavia? Okay. We got Octavia. We got uh, we got Clamtramp, who I I like. I like that character, and I don't know why I like the character. There's everything about that character screams. You shouldn't like this character. This is a boring character, and for some reason, that character has always worked for me. And I like the classics update. He's cool. I like him. Yeah, no complaints from for me from Clamp Champ. And uh, we have gotten, of course, the filmation uh, line has kicked in to here. So we've gotten so far Icer, Shakoti, and Batros from Filmation. All very cool. Yep. Good, uh, good choices there. Upcoming, uh, revealed at Comic Con, we have uh, for the rest of the filmation line, we have Nephthu, Seahawk. Yeah. <laughs> and, I know seriously. Uh, and why wouldn't Mattel tell me that flat out Seahawk's going to be in the filmation sub? Because I would have bought it, but instead I didn't. I yeah, just all I'm saying is, weapon. tell me what I'm getting, and I'll buy. I'll buy the sub, yes. especially if Seahawks in it. Agreed, Don't like girl. try and be all sneaky and stuff. So come on, <laughs> amen. Well, I have to say, I'm not a strong arm fan necessarily, but I watched um, Pixel Dan's recent uh, video review of Strong Arm, and now I'm kind of excited to get that one in the mail. Yeah, I think that's that was a good choice. Generally speaking, I think they they did pick to want to go off on a slight filmation rant here because uh, we've got. We should also point out we do have at beyond this we have two other uh, filmation characters coming in the main sub. We've got Plund- Plundor and uh, Scorpia both coming. Um, Plundor is the <laughs> December figure. And Scorpia is the May 2014 uh, figure, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and that, the, again, uh, Scorpia, a great choice. Plunder, I really, that's that one I feel like you do about the fighting foeman. Why do we yeah. need this? This guy is not going to be on my shelf. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, who did you say? I like totally blanked. Bl- Plunder, the rabbit. Oh, the guy. rabbit. Yeah. Oh, okay. But he's funny. I like him. <laughs> I love that episode. I just think the character is not one that I need in plastic, <laughs> personally. Yeah. Well, but, I like I mean, him a lot better than some of these other figures where I'm going, who the heck is this character? At least he was memorable. Well, you do have that. I mean, he's a memorable character, I guess. That's but, true, yeah. But what I, where I wanted to rant, at least for me, and I kind of wanted to see what the three of you thought. So far... Uh, with the exceptions of the obvious ones like Shadow Weaver and Grand Amir and Shakoti and I guess Scorpio would fall into that category as well. Although that's like as much as I'm looking forward to that character, it's kind of one tier down from those three. Um, so ma- like all of my like really top tier ones, filmation characters, I really want to see and Seahawk would be up there as well. So it, that was, that's a very good choice. But all of the like really, really top tier characters that I want in figure form, we, we don't seem to be getting or uh, hints of or anything. And there were a lot more memorable type characters like Dragoon, like 
Montork and Driel like uh, the sleepers from The Sleepers Awake, Lord Turan and Lady Valtira, who I desperately want. Uh, Malaktha is high up on my wish list. General Tatarin. I think we've got a lot of really memorable uh, filmation characters that would actually have a much broader appeal. Evil Seed being another one. A lot much broader mm-hmm. appeal. Dark Dream. There's so many that people remember. Um, not saying that the choices they made were bad per se, but it seems like they they really have been hitting below the the top tier characters in in my mind. So I kind of wanted to see what the three of you thought. It might be yeah. too. Go go ahead, Leanne. Um, no, I agree. Um, and it's it's kind of weird because I don't know how they decided. You know, they were going to go ahead with these figures before you know some of the more memorable ones that showed up in more than one episode. Um, I, I don't know if they were trying to be creative in their choices, um, but it really would have made more sense to, you know, pick fan favorites rather or more memorable characters that that people more people would know than you know. Yeah, some I, of the ones I, mean, I they think chose. they hit they hit that with a few like Icer and Shakoti yeah. and Seahawk. I think those three were excellent choices. I like the other oh, choices. Yeah, definitely. They're just they're just. There were so many good ones in so few slots. It seems like yeah. they would have and, and wanted. I have no idea why Icer came with the Staff of Avion, but I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> and Stra- Stratos now has his staff up on my shelf. So nice. that was cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree. And I don't know how they decided on some of these. Well, some yeah, of, I, you wouldn't you want them dispersed, though, if they're going to do more filmation subs. <laughs> Excuse me. If. Um, wouldn't you say like they would disperse the really popular people throughout each one so they could yeah. keep selling more filmation stuff? Well, yeah, I, I hope they're going to do, but I, I don't know. I, I <laughs> have doubts that they're going to go that way, but I hope, I hope you're right. I hope we get another filmation sub next year and I hope we see some of those. And I hope that they actually tell us what's going to be in the sub. Right. So I can be like, yeah, hell Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was a weird. A sub. That, that is a weird thing because it's like you're if you're going to buy the sub, you'd think you'd want to give people all the incentive in the world to do it. You already know who the characters are, even if you don't want to show all of what you've got because it's not you know a final prototype or whatever the rules are there. Just list the names. That's all you yeah. got to do, and you're going to get yeah. more. Yeah. So they they really do need to do that. I want to rewind for a second to what Leanne just said though about the staff of Avion because that was. A freaking awesome accessory. Yeah. Uh, I love these extra filmation artifacts that we're getting, like the Sword of the Ancients as a kid that he came with that came with uh, Fang Man. And as a kid, I so wanted that sword. I loved that episode. I loved that sword. It was ingrained in my brain that that image of that sword in that episode. And it, that was so exciting. Love the fact that we got the time wheel. We got all these things. I think it's really odd that okay, we've gotten the six uh, filmation figures. We've got uh, several in the the main subscription uh, line as well. Filmation. Where's our freeze ray? Like that's one of the most iconic things from filmation in my mind. Not maybe not as cool as some of the other ones, but I gotta have one of those. Why don't Why don't we have a freeze ray? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was used in like ninety percent of the episodes. So. We we need those. I don't know. I don't know how they make some of these choices. 
Yeah, it's it's a little strange. Anyway, I think they're just pulling names answer. out of a hat because there's no logic whatsoever in my mind. Overall, though, I still think I'm pretty happy with most everything. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so continuing on, we're getting Geldor in. Uh, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. We're getting Mantena, the Horde Troopers, and uh, uh, Lord Dactes in October. Yay, Mantena! Yeah, I can't and wait. Horde Troopers. Yes. Yeah, yay for Horde Troopers. Boo for my wallet. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, of course, the weapons pack also comes out this month, which includes Cowl in his toy colors. Which is really the only Boo. reason anyone's going to buy that weapons pack. I love I love the weapons packs. So it should have been filmation colors. That's all I'm saying. Oh, totally. Absolutely. That would have sold me on that weapons pack. I I think it's really cool that this month between the Horde Troopers and Mentana and Lord Dactes, we're like it's we're kind of hitting every uh, major aspect of Masters, right? You got Mantena, which covers the Horde and and Shira fans, as as well as the Horde troopers. You got Lord Dactes, which covers the Mike Young fans. We've got Cowl in there, another you know Shira thing. This month is kind of, except for New Adventures, kind of hits all the the bases in one way or another, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in November we get Geldor. Anyone care? I do not. Nah. Nah. Mm-mm. I don't know how Geldor ever won the fan poll. It's right. It's so strange to me. I wanted Hawk. Oh, so bad. And uh, that was my number one want on that poll, and I am yep. still bitter. I hear that. <sighs> anyway, all right. Uh, December we get Plundor. We already talked about. Um, also, in that time, the Gray Skull will. Thing, which we got to see at Comic-Con and PowerCon. Yeah, and we got to play with it at PowerCon, and it is awesome. It, I got to touch it at Comic-Con, and it was phenomenal. I agree. Cannot very, wait. Very cool. I uh, uh, would like to, because I have uh, complained about it several times on Master's Cast. Yeah, credit, <laughs> credit is due. Uh, this year at Mattel... Um, there were some people running the uh, booth uh, who remembered me from the 2000X days. They hadn't been it to Comic-Con to run the booth in many, many years. Remembered uh, that I used to get to touch everything, which I haven't gotten to do for several years. So they, they did what they needed to do to make it happen. So I got to touch everything this year, and I was Yeah, cool. That's so, awesome. Thank you, so, um, yeah. Sometimes it just takes the people being there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I was very, very happy. All right, so uh, 2014, we got a lot of reveals from uh, Comic-Con and PowerCon. So January, we get Too Bad and Modulock. Cheers. No, no cheers. Yay. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm pretty uh, stoked. I'm not a Too Bad fan. Please do not shoot me or send me nasty <laughs> love Modulok though. Modulok is one of my number one favorite. Actually, might be my favorite horde character. Actually, I am really, really excited for Modulok. I love Too Bad because he's in the Christmas special. <laughs> I- there you go. <laughs> in uh, February, 
Wait, my thing cut out. Did you say glimmer? Glimmer in February. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Finally. Finally. Yep. Very well done, actually. I like I like that. That was one of the ones I got to see at Comic Con. I I think they did a, a really good job with her. And Glimmer is a character that I feel is important with us, but that I I'm not a huge fan of. Um, but I really like the design. I wouldn't have minded her having like some glitter somewhere. Um, but I love glitter, so that's just me. <laughs> and I know there was a lot of talk about her crotch area at PowerCon. If you've not heard, watch the Maddie panel video. <laughs> um, it didn't look that bad to me. I think Adora's looks worse. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm of the same opinion. I, I can understand the point uh, that people are coming from with the glimmer, yeah. uh, but I do think it looks, at least from visually what I saw at PowerCon, it, it does look better than uh, uh, what Adora got going on. Uh, (laughs) but I agree like I think you were saying some people were saying why couldn't you just do like Marlena and I agree Marlena's bodysuit looks perfect so why put anything on top of that I don't know but like with I don't think any of these figures have had actual like material on them I mean some have the fur hair but it's all plastic, even the capes and so forth. But it would have been interesting with Glimmer to do like an actual kind of lacy, glittery skirt. Like there was some some art I saw the other day from an old, I don't know if it was an old children's book or comic book. It was something from back in the day. And this particular artist, who I can't think of his name right now, had drawn her that way. She actually had this shimmery skirt thing going on. And I loved it. Um... So yeah, but I'm a girl. I like glitter. <laughs> but kind uh, of like combining more of a like toy version and filmation together. Yeah, yeah. But I'm glad she doesn't have the fro like the original figure. <laughs> <laughs> Can I also rewind because I I skipped over a 2013 figure that we got that was really awesome, which was Castispello. We didn't talk about that either. Oh yeah, she uh, looked as as amazing. I thought. I have to say again, cast a spell is not another one of those characters that I'm. I could, but classic figure was really well. That might be my favorite uh, Princess of Power uh, figure in the line so far, actually. Wow, sweet. Yeah, I actually yeah. got her. I have not opened her yet, but I have her. <laughs> um, our Skype connection is getting rather weird, so I think we should start wrapping up. Uh... Our very quick run uh, in church. Again, weird choice to me. Flog should have been in the next new adventure character, but whatever. Uh, we get Blade from A. We get Scorpia, and of course, we're the Battle Lion from 2000X as the quarter two beast. I'm excited about no It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's so why Skype is messing up because Josh if you couldn't hear just mentioned Battle Lion which is King Grayskull's steed and if, if Skype was just like we don't need to be talking about this <laughs> you know what last night Rod was going through uh, you know pictures of the upcoming figures and stuff and he was like what is that <laughs> I was like I was like that is a stupid Battle Lion thing that 
you know, it's King Grayskull's, you know, animal. And he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was awesome. All right. <laughs> His reaction to it was awesome. The last thing I want to say is the number one, though, Princess of Power figure that I am waiting for, and we better get in 2014, or I'm going to be very annoyed because I've been waiting for six years. We need a Mermista, people. Get it done. So that is yeah, Mermista should be one. That's that's my favorite Shira character. So that How would she stand up? <laughs> I bet that they would do, like, she'd have regular legs, and they'd, they'd have, like, some type of clamp on tail like kind of like the marlena dress that you yeah, probably no, see, just, i thought like, they would i thought they were gonna like uh, i hope they're gonna do the um uh the way they did uh king hiss where like the the bottom half he splits at the waist so that they could have a fully sculpted tail and, and a fully sculpted set of legs or whatever oh that might work i yeah. think that would be much better that's my on that note, though, we better wrap it up as Skype is dying, uh, yeah, especially is- with Josh's uh, connection there. Uh, uh, so uh, we will try our best to once again have an episode out next month. Uh, so thanks for downloading. Thanks to hello to everyone that said hi to us at PowerCon. Uh, all, yes, ne- never hesitate. So yeah, never hesitate to come say hello. Um, love it. Love talking with everyone. Um, I'm John Callis, also known as Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratos Macca. And I'm Josh the Lioncourt, also known as Lioncourt. One, two, three. Good, Good journey. Journey. <laughs> Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O in the original Thundercat series, and you're listening to Mastercast. 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 Hey!